Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good, the bad, and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. Today, it is myself, Kat, on the show. I am recording with an incredible young woman called Lydia. She's 25. She reached out to us on our Instagram account a few weeks ago and we sat down to record this. And yeah, basically, I think you guys are all going to love it. Um, Lydia has been through an awful lot with her siblings over the last couple of years as she is a platinum member of the DPC club, which she actually heard us talk about, I think, in our first ever episode. Um, because both her mother and her father have passed away over the last couple of years. As you can imagine, Lydia's story is heartbreaking, but at the same time, just incredibly inspiring. And I just feel super grateful that I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk to her. And hopefully it'll bring somebody else some sort of comfort out there who has also lost both parents. Um, I know that we've had a few people on here that have experienced something relatively similar, but I think there isn't a lot of support out there and it's still a very touchy subject but you know I can only imagine the difficulty that people have in approaching that topic so I think the more awareness we bring of young adults that have no longer got you with their parents better um so yeah and um, let me know what you think of the episode and yeah speak soon I am Lydia. I'm 25 years old. I'm currently living in Manchester, working at a healthcare advertising company. Um, I grew up in Teesside, which is in the northeast of England, and I've got um, a younger sister and a younger brother. Oh, how old are you, your younger brother and sister? So my sister is 23 and my brother's 21. What do they do? So my sister um, works for um, the Royal College of Psychiatry. She, um, they're doing like a um, mental health order of services up and down the country. So she um, helps with all of that. Um, she's like killing it, really like smashing it by Nick. the sounds of it. And my brother's just finished a um, degree, and I'm not sure exactly what it's in. It's something to do with music performance. 
something like oh, that. Wow. Like he's, a, he's going to be a rock star. <laughs> um, Amazing. So yeah. <laughs> and he managed to do it all, even with everything that's happened. Yeah. And so same with my sister as well. So my um, when my mum passed away, it was during my sister's final year. And then when my dad passed away, it was during my brother's final year. So um, I'm so proud of them both. They've both done so well. That is amazing. Wow. Go them. Yeah, no, I barely, like, barely managed to get through my final year. I was like, what's, like, without any of that? So I don't know how they've done it. I had to suspend my final year because I was just like, nah, (laughs) not a chance. I can't do this now. So good good for them. That's amazing. They must have worked really hard for that. Yeah, definitely. I'm so proud of them both. Oh. Um... So, yeah, give us like a brief intro into your affiliation with the DPC then. Yeah, so I think in the very first episode, you and um, Sam were talking about um, like your experiences and you said like people who um, have lost both parents are platinum members. So here I am, I'm a platinum (laughs) member. (laughs) I've got the card. Um, So (laughs) in the last sort of 18 months... I have lost both of my parents to cancer. Um, My mum had cancer for a very long time, um, which I'll explain Mm -hmm. a bit more about. Um, And we were never really given a prognosis because she was such an unusual case. Um, Mm -hmm. So we knew that she would pass away eventually. We just didn't know when. Um, And then I think it was maybe about um I think like 13 or 14 months after my mum passed away my dad very suddenly fell ill um and it turned out that he had cancer as well um which was really strange because he'd had um a hip replacement um last summer and he'd been in the best health he'd ever been, like going, like exercising loads, eating really well, which he always did. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the blood tests he'd had before that um, operation, nothing showed up. So it had developed really, really quickly and suddenly. Um, and it was uh, like the polar opposite from my mum's experience um, because within about six weeks of him getting diagnosed um well six weeks afterwards he passed away so it was so quick um really really quick yeah um and that was so my mum passed away on the 20th of December in 2017 and my dad passed away on the 9th of March this year so that's 2019 um so not even six months ago um for my dad it's really still really really recent I mean firstly I'm amazed that you've actually come on to speak about this because <laughs> you know it's it's super recent so if there is a sec- if there is a bit where you're a bit like I can't talk about this anymore yeah. then don't feel bad um just Thank let me you. know because I can only imagine like the feelings that like you go through talking about this um yeah especially so raw as well like it's so recent so that yeah that's fucking terrible um what did what did your dad get diagnosed with so my dad had um esophageal cancer which is 
really notorious for only presenting like quite late you only start to get symptoms when it's really advanced um and uh it had spread to his lung and his liver um yeah basically by the time they caught it his liver was completely knackered so um the oncologist that um he saw who was um amazing and came to us really highly recommended by um friends that worked in that hospital um he said look okay I'm gonna be honest with you um your liver's pretty much done and at this point I think any chemotherapy or radiotherapy would kill you on the first go um so just Jesus Christ yeah it was a huge huge shock um so he just basically said go home um eat what you can eat because at this point because the the tumor was quite big in his esophagus so he was really struggling to eat um so he said look just go home eat what you can manage um spend time with your loved ones and he said you know I think you will have three weeks maybe a month if you're lucky um so obviously when we got um the call with this like latest update um on the same evening we all just came straight home the next day um brought him home from hospital and um cared for him between the three of us um over the next two and a half weeks and then he passed away so it was it was so quick it was honestly like a complete contrast to how um things happened with my mum how how did he go about telling you that because that must have been um, like just a hor- like so horrible thing. Yeah, so as well. he it was funny because what had happened was he got the flu. Um and so we yeah. knew he was a bit under the weather anyway, so we weren't speaking as frequently with him. Um and apparently if you have the flu or a virus or something like that, it can bring up symptoms of cancer or, you know, underlying things that are going mm-hmm. on. So that's what happened, and that was the first indication he had that anything was wrong. Um, so he waited until he'd had, um, cause he had, um, an endoscopy, um, and that's when they picked up the, um, esophageal cancer and then he had a scan. So he waited until he, until he had the results from the scan. Um, and then he, um, called us and I remember it so vividly because it was a Friday night. Um, I'd just come back from um a counseling session and was ready to just Mm. like put my pajamas on like have some nice food watch a bit of tv very chill and he did like a group whatsapp call which was a bit weird I was like right something funny is going on my sister didn't answer so it was just me and my brother um because she had her phone switched off and um yeah he literally just said look kids I've got something to tell you and my first thought was like oh god who's died because like that's just kind of yeah. what you go to after you've had like a major yeah. death in the family I was like and- oh god someone's died um and he just said I've yeah got, I've got cancer and me and my brother were like stunned just I mean you know the feeling it's like somebody's like punched you in the stomach yeah. like just not grabbing the air out of you yeah um and I so I was asking all these questions like where is it what's the treatment like blah 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 so when he told me where it was 
um because I've got well I've got a background in science um I did yeah. um I studied biomedical science and then I think as well once you've had um experience with cancer in a close relative as well as soon as he yeah. said that it was in those three places I was like right it's not good Fuck. Yeah, but he'd not seen an oncologist at that point. So I was kind of like, right, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Um, mm. And then um, I said, right, well, I'm going to try and get hold of Daphne, my sister, because, um, you know, she needs to know. Um, so I did manage to get hold of her eventually. So I had to call her and, like, break the news to her, which was one of the, like the hardest things I think I've ever had to do um, because since my mum died, obviously the four of us were so, so tight, so tight. And it's that kind of bond when you've been through something like that. And, you know, the, the trauma of losing our mum um, really brought the four of us so close together. Um, so that was pretty awful but I just I don't know I just was like I I, I have to do this like I, I need to do this because if it was me if it was the other way around I'd want to know straight away um I wouldn't want oh, 100%. yeah you don't want to you know as soon as the time's right for you to know you want to know um yeah so yeah we all went straight home the next day um brought him home from hospital um oh no he we went um we went home the next day and he was still at home then and it was before he went into hospital and then he spent a yeah. bit of time in hospital before I think about 10 days or so in hospital before he saw the oncologist and then um we all came home to look after him after that so what was it just the three of you looking after him um yeah so we had um an absolutely amazing um support team um there was a really lovely lovely um group of district nurses that oh. were just at our beck and call which was amazing like they just gave us a number to call mm. and if we needed anything somebody would come more or less straight away um he we had a really good gp um, an amazing Macmillan nurse. We had support from um, the hospice, even though he didn't actually go into a hospice. He ended up um, passing at home, which was what he wanted. And I'm so weirdly happy that he got to have that. Um, yeah. I'm the same with my mum because my mum passed at home. Yeah. So it is. It's one of those. Isn't it? Yeah. And because um, my mum was um, in a hospice and she very much wanted to be in the hospice. Um, and with my dad, we sort of had a conversation and we were like, look, if we can't look after you anymore safely and you need to go into the hospice, are you all right with that? And he was like, yeah, um, absolutely. But to be honest with you, I think that my um, once my liver completely packs in, it's only going to be a couple of days. And he was right. He was completely spot on. Yeah. Um, and there was only, it was actually the day that he passed away that I think the three of us felt like we were really out of our depth and we didn't know what to do. Um, and yeah. I remember calling the district nurses and being like, look, my dad's in a really bad way. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm 
25 years old I'm the only person like I'm the oldest person sorry in the house I need yeah. somebody to come and tell me what to do because I don't know what to do um and they were so um, good they came out and sorted him out and we had outside of all this sort of medical support we had the most and still do have the most amazing group of um family friends up at home um so we never wanted for anything we had a little schedule on the fridge of who was going to come and when um, and we had a whatsapp group so if we needed anything um we would just have to post a message and whoever was um closest or like most readily available at the time would just come and drop off whatever we needed um so yeah uh, like the just I mean we just have the most like wonderful support network um sort of yeah. in Yarm and beyond thank really. god yeah and I don't so we when we did um we had a, a collection bucket at my dad's memorial service and we split it sort of half between Macmillan because they were so good and half between um, Carers UK because we were yeah. doing this sort of very hands-on, round-the-clock thing between the three of us. And, you know, we're all young, we're all able-bodied. Um, we were really fortunate because mine and my sister's work were really supportive um, and understanding and my brother's university were really understanding but you know it's not like that for everybody other people are by themselves yeah. they've got um, children to look after they've got health worries of their own and it really made me appreciate how um, I don't know it just opened up this whole new um, experience for me um, I'm kind of- quite aware awareness isn't it of what the people around you had kind of Exactly. Yeah, well, totally. And I'm kind of zigzagging all over the place here. But um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we did, um, my friends organised like a memorial walk for my parents. Um, and we actually oh. managed to raise like over £5,000 for Carers UK, which is just crazy. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, because I didn't think we'd even make it to a grand. So it's absolutely crazy. But that's why we chose Carers because, you know, cancer charities get so much money and they're so much publicity and um funding but for something like that there's nothing there's no recognition um so it was really nice to be able to do Mm. that it's definitely um made me yeah like you said it's like opened my eyes to just a completely different I guess set of circumstances um I mean I've got to say it's absolutely amazing that the three of you managed to stay at home with him and do all of that yeah like I can I can I can only what that must have been like for the three of you but I bet your bond with each other now must be so strong yeah like incomparable now yeah definitely and we did we did really do some like really nice things while we were um there with him as well like we um so my dad really loved music so we got to watch lots of um we would like just sit in the living room and watch videos of the Beatles um who were like one of his all-time favorite bands so that was really nice because that's like a big part of our childhood that's what we grew up sort of listening to um and then we like watched a lot of his favorite tv as well um we managed to get him um 
he really loved food as well. So we managed to get him um, a <laughs> takeaway from um, a local Persian restaurant. Um, and we like blended it up so that he'd be able to eat it. And unfortunately, he couldn't um, keep it down, which was that was a moment for me when my heart really broke because he just he loved eating so much and he loved good food. Um, but then a few days after that, we got some fish and chips and he managed to eat like he would never eat the batter, only the fish, um, because both my parents are yeah. from this um, island in Greece called Rhodes. So obviously they grew up with seafood and all of this. Um, so he managed to Ooh, eat yeah. um, this fish. And that was like such a nice thing that we could do for him. Um, and even though it was a really like just incredibly taxing time sort of physically and emotionally we were just we were surrounded by friends there were always people nearby ready to help us and you know people would just sort of pop down and say right we'll we'll be here you guys go out and do anything that you need to do or just go for a coffee or whatever or go upstairs and sleep and we'll just be here if you need anything um so yeah. sort of as heartbreaking as it was, um, it was quite a nice, like there were some nice things in there too. Nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can sympathise with that. Um, I think, do, do you want to talk a bit more about your mum and like the circumstances behind yeah, that? Yeah, of course. So this is a bit of a longer, um, longer story. So... My mum first got diagnosed with um, very early stage, I don't think it was even cervical cancer, I think it was just abnormalities. Um, so she had, yeah. um, when I was 13, so she had a hysterectomy. Um, and then four years later, when I was 17, um, it came back in her right lung, which caused a lot of and this is why um we never really had a prognosis with my mum because they could never work out whether it was a cervical secondary or a lung primary um so yeah. they decided to treat it as though it was a cervical secondary and they just sort of said okay we'll just see how we get on um how we get on with it um so she had her entire right lung removed and Christ. yeah which was like a big big operation um and I think she was in her late 40s at this point um so she obviously most people who have that kind of surgery are a lot older and they tend to be like you know have smoked all their lives that kind of thing whereas my mum had never touched a cigarette mm. was in really good physical shape ate really well didn't drink um so she recovered pretty quickly from that even though it was really difficult because she'd been so active and she sang as well um so she had big adjustments to make um and then she had a course of um sort of preventative chemotherapy because even though they were confident that they took everything out um with the lung um they just wanted to be sure it wasn't going to come back and that chemotherapy I can't yeah. remember exactly what combination it was but she reacted so badly to it um and that was one of the worst times so I was in year 13 at the time so I was doing my A-levels um 
so and we were all having to be like really hands-on and try and look after her and I remember spending my 18th birthday sort of like crouched down next to her bed in her room being like mum you really need to just have a sip of water because you're gonna go are you gonna have to go to hospital again if you don't um so after I think two months of that the doctors decided like you know what this is putting too much stress on your kidneys and your nervous system so um we're just going to stop it because it's not worth how much your body's having to go through for it considering it's just like a preventative measure anyway um so she got the all clear and they said to her you know we think there's a fairly good chance it'll come back at some point but we can't tell you when that'll happen um so about 18 months after that um it came back in her left lung at which point they yeah at which point they were like we can't because the best type of um treatment for the for that type of cancer was surgery and so they were like look there's no way we can operate yeah um and leave you with like half a lung um there's no way so um it's just going to be sort of chemotherapy until you can't have any more chemotherapy um and again we don't know how long that's going to be because she was so young to have this kind of thing she was um sort of I think she must have been like 49 because I remember her being her having her going through chemo when she was when it was her 50th birthday and she'd just started I think but I can't really remember um so she had hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From that point, chemo over six years, um, the, yeah, so the combination she was on was um, much better for her and she got into a routine where she knew exactly Mm -hmm. when would be a good days and a bad days and how much she'd be able to do and that kind of thing. Um, And she really just absolutely smashed it. Like she would, um, she still would sing. She managed to get um, a singing diploma at, over that time oh amazing yeah which is crazy um she was still um cycling and swimming and walking um as much as she could she was really just like 
determined to be business as usual. Um, so she yeah. just absolutely killed it um, to the point where in um, sort of February of 2017, her oncologist was like, look, I don't really know what's going on here because you should be dead by now, basically. She was like, and I'm starting to wonder if it's if it's even cancer at all because it just doesn't make any sense that you're this fit and well um, and, you know, you're still here. Did it, I felt that must have seen her like that, though, from your guys' point of view. Like, it must have kind of given you a bit of hope, but also... It makes you kind of, I think, does it make you a bit in denial that she's 100%. sick? 100%, yeah. Like, you just kind of, because it's normality, isn't it, like, what she's doing? Yeah, and so I I think I definitely, well, I always was like, I, I'm not going to think about her eventually dying because right now I don't need to. Like, why why would I want to do that? I don't no. need to do that right now. Um, so... Ironically, after she'd had this conversation with the doctors where they'd been like, we have no idea what's going on, um, she, I think she got the flu for the first time out of, she had the flu three times that year. So she got it for the first time and she didn't quite bounce back like she used to. She used to any sort of hiccup that she would have, she would bounce back straight away and be like, right, yeah, let's go. What's next? Um... And she didn't immediately bounce back after that. Um, So eventually she started again on chemo, um, but it was just a little bit harder on her body. Um, And eventually she she had an allergic reaction to one of the drugs as well, so that set her back. Um, And then she got... um, at one point, she got neutropenic sepsis. I think that's what it's called, but I could be wrong, which is like mm. this really, really dangerous infection, um, specifically in people that are having chemotherapy. Um, so she was got hospitalised yeah. a few times, and it was around then, so it was sort of July of 2017. I remember having a phone call with my dad, and I was like, oh, yeah, how's mum? How is everything? And he said, look, being honest with you I think this is the start of a decline um and yeah I just sort of went into a meltdown from that point onwards because um me and my mum were so so close we were like exactly the same person we um just understood each other so well we talked all the time we spoke every day and if I ever had any sort of problem, she would always be the first person that I would turn to, yeah. And for so long, I had just, and you know, it's like what I just said, like, why would you think about that person dying when you don't have to? Um, And then all of a sudden... On that subject, like, one of the things that I find quite difficult is when people say to you, oh, you know you had a bit of time to kind of accept that it was going to happen. But, like, because my mum got diagnosed with, like, two mm-hmm. years to live, but you don't, during that time, you don't sit and think, right, I'm going to sit and accept the fact that my mum's going to mm. die. Like, you don't do that. You you actually, more than anything, you pretend that it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of like you've got a forewarning, but you're trying to, like, 
mm-hmm. get all this other stuff in at the same time, like just nice things and have conversations yeah. that you need to have and want to have with them and all of that kind of thing. Um, so we, mm-hmm. um, from that point onwards, I just completely like shut down and I'd always been very practical and a doer. And I just, basically, I stopped being able to function at that point because I just did not want to accept what was happening. And it was actually around that time that I um, developed OCD, which it took me a good 18 months from Mm -hmm. that point to realize that that's what it was. Because I think I was just so desperate not to have to confront what was happening that I was trying so hard to distract myself that I made myself very 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 mentally ill um as a result um so over um between that sort of July to December period um she just slowly was spending more time in hospital was less able to do things Mm. um and eventually um ended up at the hospice but it was always under sort of the um context of like well we'll just try and get you back on your feet and then we'll work out a long-term plan um yeah then there was um I think I got back from London on a Monday night and I spent the night at the hospice with her on Monday and then on the Tuesday um she took a bit of a turn for the worse and was very like started to become very um agitated and she was hallucinating a lot um Mm. and my dad was in Cambridge at the time with work I was calling him and was like look you need to come you need to come now um so eventually he made it and my sister came with him as well and my brother was already there and those were like my mum's final few waking hours um and I remember like so she as the day went on, she eventually was like, they managed to sedate her and she was much more peaceful. And I remember saying to the nurse, oh yeah, we should maybe just see how we go before we like let her like wake up from it or whatever. Maybe she needs a couple of days just like sleeping because she hadn't slept in like a month because she was so scared of falling asleep in case she died in her sleep. Um, yeah. And the nurse just looked yeah. at me and she was like, I don't think she's going to wake up. And that just knocked oh, the air yeah right out of me because I was not expecting that um and then the next day um she passed away um and it was really peaceful um which was really nice I think once you've seen someone like that agitated and worked up and really really suffering um you do just get to Mm. that point where you're like I want this to be over like and I'd managed to say to yeah. her a few weeks before when she was like much more with it and um, compass mentis, um, I did say to her, look, when you get to that point that you are ready to go, just let go. Like, don't hold on for any of us. Just mm-hmm. let go when you're ready to go. Um, and I feel like she did, um, yeah. which it's like a weird feeling, isn't it? Because And it was the same with my dad where you know that somebody's coming to the end of their life and you're just kind of thinking like I just I kind of just want this to be over because yeah it's just the waiting and not knowing 
but knowing at the same time. It is. It's those those last few days are horrible. Um, but the same thing like like with my mum at home. You know, she had her last sort of outburst of being a bit of actually speaking and being and being a bit with it, and then suddenly out of nowhere they just kind of go yeah. to sleep, don't they? And then then you know it's just it's it is it's horrible, and I I don't think anybody will ever understand kind of how traumatizing it is. And but then how peaceful it is when it finally happens, unless they've yeah, seen it. A hundred percent. Um, because I think a lot of people, a lot of people think about think about the films, don't they? You know, like when somebody passes away in a film, and it's like one minute they're there, and the next minute they're not. But it's a, a much longer process yeah. than that. And you watch it all unfold. It's it's tra- it's traumatizing. It's it's one of the things that really affected me after my mum died, and I thought about it all the time. Was when she died. Yeah. Um, that whole that whole couple of days really traumatizing. Yeah, me too. And like, I think, th- like that's exactly how I described it. Uh, you know, I was so traumatized by seeing her like mm. that, and and I my very my like very first reaction when she first fell ill was that like right, I can't help with the physical side of things, but I can help with the mental side of things. Um. By like just being there for her to talk to and like helping to pick her up and things like that. And when you are so powerless to help somebody, um, that's the really traumatizing bit. And, you know, I was just such a mess for the first year after my mum died. So all of last year, um, just a complete mess. I think I had some sort of post-traumatic stress because I used to have like flashbacks of her last few hours or some of the things she was saying and um I just like it's it's like being in a fog like you have no idea what's going on and life's just sort of moving around you and Mm. you just so I did the really sensible thing and drank a lot (laughs) um so I used to go like um I used to go to the pub after work with um friends and have like three really strong pints or like double gin and tonics or whatever Mm -hmm. on an empty stomach and then sort of because I I wasn't eating either at the time I stopped eating for about three months um also really sensible (laughs) um so I would just like get drunk like immediately and sort of just stumble home and get into bed um and then like drag myself up to go to the office the next day and have to do it all over again um so you obviously really struggled like with your mm. mental health and stuff after your mum died like how did you go about it after your dad died because surely you were then at risk yeah. of kind of you know going through the going through the same thing do you know what it's and this is the the weird thing and I guess this is kind of why I really wanted to come on the podcast and talk about it because my like the reaction and the way I've dealt with it after my dad died could not have been more different um I think because the two things happened so close together and because I went through such a dark time after my mum died, um, I just sort of had this moment just sort of a couple of months after things had sort of, you know, when you're in that phase where you're like, right, I'm kind of back in a day-to-day routine and I'm kind of coping in this, or like I'm kind of coping in the sense that I can get through the day and I can get through the week. I just had this 
it was almost like an epiphany where I was like, I was so actively in denial about my mum dying that I really put my health and my mental health at huge, like under huge stress. And I just don't have the energy to do that again. So like, I really, really (laughs) don't. And I feel like if my dad was here to hear me say that, he would be applauding me and cheering me on because he wouldn't be sort of sad for longer than he needed to be. And he was very like practical and like, right, what do we do next? Um, And I just like, I just, I I really don't think I've got it in me to suffer like that again. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I just, I feel like I was sort of dragged through my mum's death, kicking and screaming um, and like protesting all the way. And now I'm just like, I can't fight this. I can't fight what's happened. I just have to accept it. Um, and it, it's kind of weird because it's like two different, completely different ways of dealing with a death. But and yeah. it's even weirder because it's happened so close together. So it's like you can really see the, like the difference between the two. But I do have mm. moments now where I'm like, oh my God, I'm coping. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm actually all right, which feels like a really weird thing to say because it has been so recent that my dad, recently that my dad passed away. So I'm like, surely this is going to come and bite me on the arse at some point. But at the (laughs) same time, I actually feel all right. And it's not to say that I feel great all the time because I don't. And I constantly think about it. And I think about my my parents, sorry, constantly. Um, and I, I do still, yeah. um, I went to see, um, Bob Dylan and Neil Young in London in, um, July mm-hmm. and Neil Young was one of my dad's yeah. favorite musicians. And we'd talked about, um, before he fell ill, we talked about getting tickets and going as a family. Um, so all I could think while I was there mm. was like, my dad should be here. My dad should be here. And as soon as. Neil Young came out I just bawled the whole way through like I had to sit down it was mm. it was so embarrassing yeah. <laughs> like um but I just no I, I'm not I'm it just it, it came out like that and then I was at a gig on um Friday night and it was a band that um I showed my dad that he really liked and I've not been able to listen to them since he died and as soon as they came out and played their first song I just started crying and it's like it couldn't be the way that I'm experiencing grief for my dad couldn't be more different to how it was with my mum um which Mm. weirdly I think and I'm not one to blow my own horn but I feel like in this set of circumstances I'm allowed to do it but I feel like it is a testament to like yeah just how much I've learned and grown and I feel like I'm yeah dealing with it much more healthily which doesn't make it easier but yeah I just feel like I'm working with myself rather than against myself which is a really nice thing (laughs) the thing is like um obviously after your mum died you obviously experienced like the sheer depths Mm. of like grief like how bad it can actually be and I feel like after your dad's passed away you've kind of missed that step with him because you've already gone through that so you're, you're kind of at like the coping stage of grief instead of the not coping stage of grief like it's like 
if I, you know, it's perfectly normal even for you now to cry yeah. every day. <laughs> like if that was happening, like, so normal. Um, but I bet, I bet the way that you're dealing with this now seems like two hundred times better. Yeah, than the way that you definitely. I had a course of CBT. Yeah, it honestly, changed my life. Like, I really think everyone should have it. It's just been yeah. a godsend for me. It's really, really saved me. Um. And it's put me in a much better mm. position to deal with my grief, even though because I was having it to deal with sort of the OCD issues that I was having. And now that's, I just, oh, it's pretty much completely like cleared up. I do still get the odd like intrusive thoughts sometimes, but I'm just so much more better e- mm. equipped to deal with it. Um, and it means that I've got room to grieve now where before... I didn't um so that's been a really big and I actually weirdly feel like I'm kind of in the best place now that I've been in for a really long time um which is weird because it is Mm. so close to my dad passing away Um, and sometimes I'm like is this too good to be true (laughs) um but Mm. I just I don't know and I I think there was someone I think it might have been Emma who was saying that you know you have this weird um obviously you're a completely different person before your parents die and then after um and she said it feels like when she goes back to that part of her life in her mind she she said she felt like um she was reading a story or something like that and I was like that is so true and also feeling like you you know, I and it, you do feel that conflict sometimes where you're like, would I be in a good place if my parents hadn't died? And it's that awful, like, it's, it's like, and it's not, and I kind of, I think before my dad died, I would have felt really guilty for feeling like that. But now I'm kind of like, actually, I don't mm. really have any use for that guilt. Like, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person because I'm happy and I'm not like, and that's, yeah, and it's not because my, and my parents have died. It just means that, I don't know, it's weird, isn't it? It's just like, and I used to be so scared of that when... It's yeah. because you've grown as a person. And I used to be so scared of that when people would be like, you'll change as a person. And I used to be like, what does that mean? I don't want to change. Like, I just desperately did not want to let go. But yeah. now I'm like, it's actually better being here like than where I was before. So I'll take mm. that. It it completely changes you, like, 100%. And, it like, so many people, the majority of people that I speak to are, like, I say it all the time, I don't know if I would like the person that I would be mm-hmm. if my mum hadn't have died. I don't, I don't know what she yeah. would be like now. And, like, like, it takes you a life on a completely different path. Like, different things become more important to you. And I think more valuable Absolutely. things become more important to you. So your life just gets better because you appreciate absolutely and I think I definitely um I think I mean I think it happens as you um sort of grow up anyway but you just have less time for you just don't want to put energy into something that you're not going to get it back from so there's certain like relationships and situations where I I'm now much more comfortable and being like right well I'm not getting anything out of this so I'm not going to put my energy into it um 
And I mean, I've got a really great circle of friends anyway. Um, and they've all been so supportive and so great, but sort of beyond that, if there's any sort of anything that isn't sort of, I'm not like getting out as much as I put in, then I'm just much more all right with walking yeah. away from that. Um, rather than thinking I have to like, 100%. yeah, which is, so which is great. great. Um, it's just, it's like, it's something I think you don't realize how important it is until you actually do it. And it sounds like the most simple thing, but if you don't realize yeah. that you're not doing that, you don't notice that you're not doing it, if that makes sense. Like, and then when you start doing it, you're like, oh, actually, hang on. Yeah. My life is better for making those decisions. 100%. I'm, I'm way more like self-aware of how I'm feeling and the things that I'm doing to make myself feel better. And when I know to take some time out to go and do something that I want to do because otherwise like my mental health will deteriorate like you just become way more self-aware of things that are going to improve your life rather than yeah definitely and like I'm so much better with um drinking now as well like I don't really drink to deal with things anymore um and (laughs) which is great it's really really nice um and like on if we're just going out for a few drinks or even if we've got people here for a few drinks and I've had enough and it's time for bed I'll now just be like right all right guys have a good time that I'll see you later yeah and I'll just take myself to bed and not feel like and I'll feel better for it the next day um and that's made like being able to make those those decisions as well that's made a big difference for me too um and it's so nice to feel like you're doing something for yourself and it's not in a selfish way it's like I I just know this is going to better me so I'm going to do it and it's better for the people around you as well like surely they'd rather be with somebody that is able to kind of look after themselves and realize when they need to do something for them, then kind of not do that and end up being more difficult to yeah, kind of deal exactly. with. Yeah, exactly. So my know? housemate, since I've had the CBT, she always she's she says like she's like I can't believe the difference it's made, like just how much better you are in yourself, um, which is such a nice thing to like. Oh. It's really nice when you're feeling like that way inside and somebody else like validates it for you. It's a really nice feeling, um, especially when you have gone through all the shit that you've gone through um and then I I guess the other thing as well that I wanted to um talk to you about is like sometimes doesn't it feel like you are absolutely killing it and you're on top of the world and you're in such a good place and you're so great and then other times everything is just terrible (laughs) yeah I think you more than most people I know definitely have an excuse you know for that mindset when you're a bit like I'm so fucking unlucky. My life sucks. Why? Why has everybody else got it so cushy, and I have it so shit? Like, you've you've definitely got an excuse to have that mindset sometimes. Because I do it. I have a lot of I, a lot of time. I'm like, why do all my friends get to have mm. their mums with them and enjoy these things with their with them, and I don't? Like, and I'm, you're allowed to have a bit of a hissy yeah, about it. Sometimes, definitely, and it's just I do think as well when you're having a bad day it always comes back to that. Like it, it, that's always what it comes back to. And mm-hmm. I remember um, speaking to a friend of mine whose um, dad passed away. Um, it was just like a, a a car accident and it was really sudden. And I remember speaking to her almost a year after my mum died for the first time really properly about grief and I was really struggling. And I remember her saying to me, like, I will have days where I get upset about something and then all of a sudden I'm upset about my dad even though it has nothing to do with it 
Um, and that's yeah so true, especially like if at work, if something happens and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to call my parents. Like, and then you can't do it. And it's just yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, that's not an option. Like <laughs> now what? Um, it's, it's that person at the other end of the phone, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and I like, think... Dog, like, who do I call now? Who's going to listen yeah, to me? Yeah, exactly. And shit? it's like the the feeling of like... It's when I look at my friends with their parents and I'm like, I don't have those people that look out for me like that anymore because... And I mean, I... And I've had this conversation with yeah. other friends as well who've got more difficult relationships with their parents whether it's with one of them or with both of them. And, you know, me and my siblings have been so lucky because we had just the most wonderful, loving parents and we had such a great childhood. And, I mean, they just, they loved us so much. And, like, we just had really fucking great parents. And not everybody gets to have that, which is something I'll always feel really lucky for, um, for having had that. And I, on my like good days, I, that's like my mantra and that's what keeps me going. But then on my bad days, it's like the flip side of that. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to have that again. And what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? Um, who am I supposed to go to for this advice? Because there is this like sense of, especially being the eldest, it's like I have to figure everything out by myself now. I was going to ask you about this. Are you like the parent of the siblings um, now? So it's, yeah, it's it's a funny one because um, my sister is incredibly practical and with all of that like logistical stuff you have to deal with after someone dies and even in the run up to it, like she was so good with, like she had a schedule for my dad's um, all the different like medicines he was on and all all of that stuff she was amazing with it um mm-hmm. whereas like before prior to that especially with my mum I was the one that was more like I don't know I think there's I think going through the experiences that we've had we definitely in where we are now I think there's definitely a bit more of a like interchangeable role where we all like sort of look after each other and when somebody needs a bit more looking after the other two will step in and look after them but um yeah that's it is I definitely do feel that responsibility sometimes um and it is hard because I'm not a parent (laughs) um so I don't know how to be one um but yeah at the end of the day but you know neither my brother or sister are asking me to do that um and I think weirdly I'm a lot better at not asking myself to do that whereas in the past I've really taken that weight on my shoulders and been like determined to carry it but I've kind of come to realize that that's not very healthy um and I'm (laughs) I can't I mean as as a human being and as me by myself I can't expect myself to have all those answers never mind when there's other people in the equation um Mm. so and again that's the another thing I think if my dad hadn't have passed away so quickly after my mum I don't know how long it would have taken me to recognize that and then if my mum hadn't passed away at all I don't know if I would ever have recognized that and it's that weird sort of yeah yeah and I, I do think especially after I've had that CBT course I I do think you know how long if my mum 
and dad was still here, how long would it have taken me to get to that point and to get to that place where I'm now so much more self-aware and so much better at making decisions for myself and out of, you know, I've sort of been able to really develop much healthier ways of coping with things that maybe I never would have done before and it's just like sometimes it's just I just find myself just reflecting on it and I don't really feel any kind of way about it I'm just like that it is just crazy like it's really hard to make sense of it yeah I completely get I completely get where you're coming from um it's just I'm I'm honestly amazed to be honest at how you're both your mum and your dad have you know obviously died in the last 18 months and like I know that you had such a tough time with it 18 18 months no it really isn't is not a long time and you're in a really positive which is absolutely amazing like no matter how hard or like how hard you struggled um last year you're it sounds like you're doing pretty good now which is amazing to hear it's it's a bit it's a bit wild to be honest like I sometimes I'm I'm just a bit like it just all feels very surreal um and I'm just like yeah yeah and it's how, like, how, how am I doing okay how did I get here like how it is a lot to try and make yeah. sense of and it is really overwhelming but I do think so when I was in like the lowest point after my mum died I had this mantra that I would just repeat to myself whenever I was just having the worst I mean you know what it's like it's just bloody awful but I just used to say to myself that the only way out is through um and you really have to feel all those horrible emotions to be able to deal with them and get through it and I definitely learned that lesson the hard way because I tried so hard not to feel anything um because I just desperately did not want to accept that Mm. my mum had gone and I think now that I am on some other side of it whether that means I've come through it or not um I definitely feel like I can deal with I can deal I can deal with anything and I can take anything on now like if I can get through that I can do anything and you can take on the world yeah sometimes it does feel like that it's like I I can literally like I mean I'm bring it on but touch wood yeah like I need to lie down I need to lie down in a dark room but um it does just like in the day-to-day sense of things you do just having lost them both so close together gives you this kind of like resilience that I guess there's no other way of getting that unless you've really yeah. been through some shit but that, like, that's why you bond so quickly um, and so well with people that have experienced at least something relatively similar to what you have um because yeah you've both got the same mindset and like you've both got the same awareness and respect for what the other for what the other person has gone through um like me and Sam always say it both of us like any friends that we've got that have also like lost a parent straight away we're like yep we've bonded like no questions asked and I think that's why this podcast works so well as well is because you're coming on with the same respect for each other with the same understanding that what the other person's been through is fucking terrible but you're able to sympathize definitely and I um it's just so nice to hear people talk about mm. it as well because you I mean I all of my immediate friends still have their parents yeah. um no matter what their relationships are with their parents whether their parents are together or not they still have them and I think beyond sort of 
the usual family losses that you have grandparents and yeah things like that I don't think well I don't think any of them have experienced no. the way that no. I have so what I've really got out of this podcast is just hearing people talk about grief and just hearing the different ways people have experienced it and just being able to be like oh I never thought about it that way mm-hmm. but that makes complete sense yeah um and I feel like since I've started listening to to the podcast it's definitely given me, given me like so much of an opportunity to just reflect on everything I've been through oh. um in a way that I don't think I would have done without this oh, I'm so, so glad thank you <laughs> thank you so much it's been wow. like it's been so nice to have this resource and I wish I'd had it and I wish I'd known about it just after my mum mm. died because I was so in the dark and so like alone and just trying to stumble yeah. through the process and figure out what the fuck was going on mm. um but yeah it's just it's been such a great thing to have and I've like told my brother and sister about it I'm like guys you have to listen to it oh. it's just so because I think that's the other thing that I I guess I don't know if you experienced but at times it is it can still be really hard to talk yeah. about grief with my siblings because I think we understand all too well and it's so raw and so mm. painful um with them um, that it can be quite hard to do that and I think that will change eventually yeah. with with me my brother I've got two older brothers um and they're seven years and nine years older than me so like our whole our mm. relationships with our mum and our whole experience of her being sick one of her dying are completely different like completely different experiences so yeah. they definitely they've never been my go-to um to speak about it because yeah we just don't we just don't connect on that level and don't get me wrong I know that my mum dying has hurt them but they were also at an age in their lives where grief is obviously hard no matter what age you are um but they mm. they were kind of at an age where they'd found their feet and they'd kind of settled down a bit yeah. more and like they needed their mum a little bit like I don't want I don't want to make it sound as if like when you're older you don't need them because you do but it was just very different stages of our lives like I need like I needed my mum yeah and totally what I was going to do after uni and for my exams and for boyfriends and for friendships and like those like dating things yeah. um so it's just very different experiences so that's kind of why me and Sam created this because we wanted a space for people with of a similar age to us so you know from like kind of 17 18 yeah. to kind of you know late 20s 30s whatever um because it's a it's a very delicate yeah. stage in your life isn't it <laughs> yeah it's it truly is like formative mm. years massively <laughs> isn't it it's um I was just gonna kind of finish it off with kind of our hero question which is um what would you say to other people that have experienced something similar because obviously I know that you don't know that many people but I know that we have a lot of listeners that it probably has probably have lost both parents um whether they've kind of approached us or yeah. not so yeah what kind of what would you say to them about kind of how you navigate life now and you know I know you've talked about it a little bit I think just hang in there. Um, you can get through it, even though it definitely feels like 
you can't mm. yeah <laughs> um and you'll be better for it in a weird way um and I think once you can see that and once you come to be able to accept that um life starts getting better again mm. and you can enjoy things again and you will always feel like a ghost yeah. um yeah. I think is the best way of putting it really just hang in there and that's what I've been trying to say to my brother because he's struggling at the moment bless him because obviously mm. he lost um I think our mum died when he was 19 and then he was um 20 when my dad died bless his heart so really really young yeah really young um so that's just what I keep trying to say to him like you're stronger than you think yeah and yeah just have faith in yourself I think is the best thing like rely on yourself to carry carry yourself through that's the best advice I think I can give you yeah like like give anybody is you can do it yeah you can do it you think you can't but you can and from somebody who really thought they never would be able to um Mm. If I can do it you can do it too <laughs> it's true because you feel like you're never going to be okay again you feel like this is life now like life yeah. life is going to be this miserable forever and that's why you know people struggle with yeah. kind of like depression and suicidal thoughts and stuff like like I did after my mum died because I was like oh my god mm. my life is going to be this miserable forever but it's not <laughs> yeah absolutely and do you know what else I'd say as well um there's no no such thing as the seven stages of grief. It's bullshit. No. It does not exist because I remember watching an episode of The OC when I was like 13 um, and it was just after Marissa had died and Summer, there was this like montage episode of Summer going through the seven stages and mm. I thought that was it. I thought that's what grief was. When you come out, so of, it, I was come out of it the other end, like, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, and I legit all of last year was like, why am I not experiencing these definitive, like, seven stages, really separately clear from one another? Why am I just experiencing this big jumble and what's wrong with me? And I remember the counsellor I had at the time being like, there is no such thing. And I was like, well, why didn't somebody tell me? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I love those things on Instagram that are like um it's got slide one it's like what you expect grief to be like and it says like the seven stages and it's like what grief it's actually like and it's like a piece of string that's just like completely muddled up everywhere <laughs> I'm like yep that's so true yeah it it really really is and I think I definitely wish I'd known yeah. that because there's not yeah there's not I feel like there needs to be just a bit more education about grief yeah because everyone has to deal with it at some point in their life and I think if I'd known something really like basic like that isn't a thing that probably would have helped me to feel a little bit more okay with the fact that I didn't know how I was feeling there's just this misconception that that we could we don't go through grief until we're a lot older until we're kind of like in our 40s you know and it's like yeah that's bullshit (laughs) that is not the case yeah unfortunately yeah and like yeah it wasn't until we started this podcast and we've got like the instagram and stuff that i realized just how many people like lose parents at a horrifically young age like it's insane mm. and people have come out of the woodwork that i went to school with and i never knew that their parents died when they were at school 
And I'm just like, God, like the things that I would do to go back in time now and like and talk to you about it, because I bet that's all they were dying to do. Yeah, definitely. I think talking is so important and I find it, believe it or not, very hard to do. Mm. Um, just because I think I don't have... It's like what I was saying to you about um, what my brother said. I don't know anyone who's gone through yeah. what we've gone through nobody's lost I don't know anybody that's lost both of their parents and so quickly and so young um you know my mum was 53 when she died my dad was 60 um so it, it is so difficult to talk to uh to talk to people about it and but it's so important that you do talk to people about it and that's something I've only started to realize actually really recently believe it or not it's hard as well because the only thing you can really say when people are like talk about it what you really want to say is like I'm fucking hurting like it really hurts but mm. what else can you really say other than that and then they don't know what to say if they don't mm. understand if they don't understand what that feels like and um, yeah we are trying to kind of like make it normal to bring your parent or your parents up in circumstances and like make people not feel uncomfortable by bringing up their grief or like mm. any memories and stuff like that because I think the worst part of grief is feeling like you can't talk to that person and they and they be- mm. it ends up feeling like they'd never existed, which I think is just like the saddest thing yeah. in the world if you end up kind of behaving like they never existed. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it doesn't help. It really doesn't help. Mm. But um, I think the best thing that my friends have done is just listened. Yeah. I think that's the best thing anyone's done for me is to just listen when I'm feeling a bit shit and just be like, you know what, that sucks. Yeah, 100%. It's somebody acknowledging how you're feeling, isn't it? Yeah, and not absolutely. And just being able to say, like, you know what, yeah, that is really rubbish. Yeah. So, like, I think the worst thing Sam went through, obviously, like, who I did this podcast with was like the year that her dad died, she was living with a group of girls and whenever she brought her dad up, they'd be like, oh, we'll change the subject then now. And they would mm. they would force her to not talk about it because it made them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah, the, mo- the most important thing, you know, we, we do have people listening to this that are just friends of the DPC, but mm-hmm. the most important thing is is being, is welcoming the conversation, isn't it? Like um, one of my friends did it the other day, we were, we were driving somewhere and I was talking about me moving house and stuff and um. I just burst out crying because my, my dad isn't really very kind of interested. He's not very mm-hmm. kind of like into it and doesn't get excited about it with me and like whatever. But I was saying that if my mum was still here, she'd be so excited. She'd be looking at like how we can decorate mm. it. We'd be going out, like getting stuff for the house together and it'd be like a really exciting adventure. But with my dad, it's like not a big deal. And so I got upset in the car and I tried to stop myself from crying. And she was like, no, cat, it's fine. Like, cry. You can talk about it. And I was like, oh, God, I love you so much. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah. It's invaluable, isn't it, really? Yeah. Having someone Massively. to just be like, no, it's all right. You can just go for it. Like, one friend like that is better, is better than 10 friends that text you saying, I'm here if you need me. Like, as in, like, you know, just just call me. Yeah. Like one friend that actually encourages you to speak about it is way more valuable. 
yeah definitely absolutely um and it's like what I said before it's like it's those friendships that you you want to put the energy into and you want to put like you want to put yourself into that friendship like the other ones where it is just a bit like I just guess like words really yeah. Um, yeah. then it's not worth it yeah um is there anything else that you wanted to speak about before we thank you for listening as well because um like that's what this has been really it's been you listening to me so thank you um yeah you're doing something really really great both of you are and I'm sure um Sam will hear the the uncut version (laughs) um so she'll hear me so thank you as well Sam thank you I'm sorry I couldn't get to speak to you but um yeah keep at it and just shout if I can ever do anything to help yeah we'll be in touch perfect all right well um enjoy the rest of the day hopefully speak to you again soon and have a lovely week and all the rest of it and good luck with the move talk to you soon thank you so much for listening to this week's dpc podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today if you've resonated with anything we've said have any questions or want to get involved please do contact us we're on instagram it's at dpc podcast you can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website. More information about dealing with grief, losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it. Because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing healthcare, we're just chatting shit. <laughs> If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See you next Tuesday. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com